Welcome to this special episode of Disruptive Voices, recorded at Cyboss in Toronto. In this episode, I'm speaking with some of the women working in the fintech sector at this year's conference. I'll be speaking to founders about their experiences, the development of RegTech, and their thoughts on the theme of this year's conference. I'm joined now by Christina Chang, CEO of Minka. Christina, thank you for joining me. Hello, Kimberly. Great to meet you. So to start off with, Minka is a real-time payments organization, and this is a real ongoing theme at Cybos this year. How does Minka help to remove the friction points that might be experienced? Uh, Minka right now is working alongside ACH Columbia to run the real-time payments network. Our main goal has to has to uh, has been to make real-time payments infrastructure accessible in emerging markets and that what I mean by that is you know make it easy to implement reducing integration timelines reducing cost and additionally helping enable innovation on use cases so that real-time payments networks can be opened up to the ecosystem and you're based out of Latin America and I thought that was so interesting like I, I cover Asia Pacific normally so I'm not so familiar really with what's happening in the payment space in Latin America. So are there any specific issues that arise within Latin America on payments that maybe aren't experienced elsewhere? Absolutely. I think perhaps depending on the aspect, there might be some similarities to Asia Pacific. But in Latin America in particular, there are some challenges that we face, especially in the fragmentation of the market with the traditional and non-traditional players fulfilling different needs. As a result, interoperability, which is another buzzword here at Cybos, has been something that we've been trying to solve for. And then separately, I think as a region, we're trying to leapfrog a lot of the technologies. So taking real-time payments as an example, we're trying to make sure adoption takes place easily. And just to like hold on for that for a second as well, like you know, you are seeing within Latin America is such a diverse region in terms of the, the languages, the culture, and the currencies as well. So are there any issues that arise across trying to move between borders with different currencies as well? Absolutely. I think, as everyone here has been talking about, cross-border is a topic that everyone's really interested in. Our technology can enable that and will facilitate that. I think a lot of it has been the coordination and collaboration across entities, which hopefully we can all solve through also more discussions and more focus on that. Okay, and now as I always do as part of the podcast series, speaking to the women in the industry, ask about your experiences. So, I mean, are there any advice that you would give to women who may be looking to work in the fintech industry? Yeah, I mean, I'm very passionate about the fintech industry, and of course, I would love for more women to join me as well. It is an industry that's ever-evolving with many opportunities arising. I think it is important for everyone to be up-to-date on the trends, on their expertise, and continue to learn about the about what's, what opportunities can arise. But I think I would encourage women to not be afraid and, pe and to be bold about asking what they want, to know what they bring to the table. And then when opportunities do come, take the risk to jump into a new field. And are you finding that there are, you know, how many women are there here that you've met during the week? I mean, you know, in the inner tribe space, you know, it's very cutting edge, very diverse. Are you finding that there are maybe more or less women here than you were anticipating? I think overall as an industry, I would like to see more women, of course, <laughs> but I think from an innovation standpoint, I, I am seeing more and more women participating. I'm seeing more women involved in the tech aspect of, of fintech as well. So I think it is very encouraging. Okay, great. Christina, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for your time. I'm speaking now with Alex Ford, President North America at Encompass Corporation. Thank you for joining me, Alex. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. So how does the digitizing of KYC improve the processes and are there any frictions that can still come about? So the digitizing of KYC really enables banks to implement digital operating models in their middle office and back office and those are the functions that are really supporting um, new offerings or differentiated faster onboarding experience at that front end of the relationship. 
but also during the relationship. You know, if you think uh, a corporate or uh, financial institution might already have been dealing with the bank for a long time and then they have this sort of interruption or very friction-filled exchange being asked for documents they feel they've provided in the past. So having a more instant access to the documents and data needed for KYC really helps reduce that friction. And I think that we know at Cybos this time, it's always data and digitization is always a really big subject. Has there been any, anything that's come out this time that's been of interest to you or any new innovations or developments you've heard about? Yeah, I think the theme of collaborative finance actually has been on display and it's interesting hearing about different um, efforts to kind of combine data sets or, you know, through anonymization or new technologies, be able to pool data in a way that would help fight things like financial crime when you can identify patterns. So that's really interested me seeing the um, innovation and new opportunities that have been enabled through that. And so far on this podcast series and on the other episodes of Disruptive Voices, I've really been focusing on the fintech space. But, you know, you're covering into regtech, which is a slightly different angle on this. So how is the regtech space evolving and where are you seeing more opportunities arise within the space? Yeah, it's a very exciting time for regtech. And sometimes it comes under the fintech umbrella or sometimes adjacent. You know, it doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. I think what's useful about having the label is recognising, oh, there's actually a whole category of technologies dedicating to helping banks solve regulatory challenges, meet regulatory obligations in a more efficient, controlled, faster way, and that banks should really be moving away from manual approaches and sometimes compliance gets left as the last bastion for innovation because business cases fund new product innovations and you know that's justified too but I think we've reached a tipping point where you can no longer kind of sustain the growing costs that manual approach manual approaches require and still meet the regulatory um, requirements so people are now looking and going well surely technology can help with this challenge so that's where regtech's really matured and that's where the regtech association which i'm part of was established and that's really got a global reach now because of the way across markets, um, you know, reg more heavily regulated markets as you'd expect, but are really adopting technology in this space. And one of the things that's come up on the Disruptive Voices before is really about helping women to find their networks, to find their tribes within the, the community. And you founded the Women in Fintech Network, which is based out of New York. So how does the network support women in the industry and what issues are you finding that they have? Yeah, it's been really fun to um, be one of the co-founders of Women in RegTech New York, along with um, Mary Kupsinski and Claire Malazzo. And um, it's exactly that, finding your tribe and how it came about. I'm fortunate enough to have... Uh, you know, had RegTech tribes in Australia and the UK. And when I said I was moving to New York, those networks said, well, you've got to meet these people. And it's that organic way that people were so willing to help and um, gracious and abundant with their time and their networks. And so it's really grown from that. And what people are looking for is um, encouragement, you know, hearing, seeing other people pursuing the same thing, sharing notes on their approaches, introductions, and also um, it was actually coming out of the back of the pandemic, so a bit of face-to-face -face as yeah. well, yeah. And, and that's been a differentiator in um, the way we've decided to run this, is to just 
say, you know, there's lots of fantastic content, there's webinars out there. Let's our, our part be the face-to-face -face in New York and just, you know, lean into that, dare I say it. So, yeah, it's been really fun and great response. We had lunch last week. We've been invited onto advisory boards for conferences to help them get more diversity in their panels. So it's just great to be able to help raise the profile of other women in RegTech. And are there any particular issues you find, like women maybe encounter in RegTech in the space? So and how, how can you advise them to maybe overcome those issues? Yeah, I think um, reg tech being, you know, technology, often it's financial regulations we're talking about. So those two streams, tech and um, financial services already have, uh, um, you know, lack of diversity to some degree. So that's a challenge that's inherent. And so I think um, just being willing to stand in the spotlight when the opportunity comes along and to um, put forward someone else's name or make that extra connection. It's just really small practical steps. I often say like, don't let best be the enemy of good. Like take a step, do something, some kind of action. And with Women in RegTech New York, that's how it started. You know, I didn't have the whole thing figured out, but we all said, yeah, let's do it and see who comes along and build from there. So. You know, doing nothing is also a choice. It's a decision. So to do something, even if it's small, is a good way to start. What an excellent piece of advice to end there on Alex. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm joined now by Stella Lim, CEO of Patio. Stella, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Kimberly. It's really great to be here with you. I'm really excited. So Patio is used to facilitate uh, cross-border payments using blockchain. How does this work? Patio, which means distribute and shared in uh, Latin words, uh, is an infrastructure for digital clearing and instantaneous settlements based on blockchain technology. We offer domestic and cross-border payments with real-time, round-the-clock programmable capabilities for both central bank money of M0 and also commercial bank money of M1 to facilitate instantaneous global value transfer. The, the cross-border payments that we know today it actually has to represent numerous challenges, especially when it involves um, multiple complex intermediaries where you will have to go through multiple validations of checks of the transactions. So it will incur then become costly for the transactions at the end of the day and complexity as well. So Patio builds on the key attributes of blockchain and smart contract technologies to offer programmable, secure and transparent platform that eliminates the, inter the multiple intermediaries and allow participants to be able to clear and settle transactions in multiple currencies. So this introduces greater flexibility to cross-border payments addressing the current point of frictions. Um, and helps to reduce the frictions in the cross-border banking process. We do not actually host, store, or move money. Neither do we store any data. So what we do is provide a facility for the transactions to happen. So we also design as an open platform to allow the wider participations by bank globally. So we, our network is made up of settlement banks, participant banks, central banks, to and liquidity providers to transact with each another over the uh, open platform. So beyond payments, Patio also provide other solutions like FX PVP, 
enterprise liquidity management, delivery versus payment solutions um, for the banks and application providers in the whole ecosystem to participate. And before you came to work at Patio, you spent many years working at Swift and you know we're here at Cybos where there's such a huge Swift presence. What made you decide to move across into the blockchain space? Yeah. This is an exciting time and a period for, especially for blockchain uh, and technology. My decisions to join uh, the blockchain industry was mainly driven by the vision that I have for the future of finance and also a passion for pioneering the transformative technology in this space. So my career has provided me with uh, invaluable experience uh, and, and insights into the traditional financial infrastructure. So this had, has helped to become clearer in terms of blockchain represent a systemic sh uh, shift, especially how financial transactions are being uh, transacted, verified and processed. So in this decentralized nature, with the immutable ledger that it offers, it has the power to enhance security, transparency, and efficiency in the financial system. Therefore, I believe that blockchain has the potential not only to reimagine the financial industry, but also address broader global challenges such as the financial inclusions and supply chain transparency. So joining Patio may have been um, a trajectory in my career, but it's also having the leap of faith as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah however, this has also been in, uh, an important opportunity for me to contribute to the ongoing uh, transformations in the financial industry, the landscape, and be part of it uh, in this space and shaping the future of finance and technology together. I wanted to be able to contribute back to the community of where I've learned and what I've known about. So it also helps me as, as a company like Patio, the culture uh, is closely embodied into many of the ideals that I have had. So for example, the, uh, in my professional life, for example, the agility, the dynamism and the adaptability. The, I, I re, I'm driven and uh, really like about the entrepreneurial and also the can-do spirits uh, that characterize Patio. So here I am with Patio. Great. And then... You know, looking more broadly now, like this series is focused on speaking to women in the fintech space about their experiences. And do you see many women in the blockchain space? And do you think that more could be done to maybe show women that this is a space that is open and welcoming to them and that their contributions are really valuable? Yeah. Blockchain is one of the quickest uh, growing area in fintech, but it's also one aspect in this industry that is stuck in the past, meaning that women are underrepresented in the blockchain and wider Web3 industry. So a recent BCG consulting report shows that only 13% of Web3 uh, startups include a female founder. So when considering the overall Web3 workforce, there's only 27% uh, of women workforce. So I think to, to boost the representations of women in Web3, and blockchain company, there are several proactive steps that need to be taken into consideration. So first is really fostering a more inclusive and diverse workforce, a workplace. Culture is very important. At Patio, we prioritize um, diversity and inclusion in our, in our hiring process. 
So what we do is we actively seek out qualified women uh, candidates and provide the equal opportunity for career advancement. So this involves uh, promoting diversity in all levels within Patio. So it, including the entry level all the way up to the leadership uh, level. So we can see that through Patio leadership team where we have more than half uh, represented by female. So the, the second initiative is really educational initiative and also mentorship program to encourage more girls and women uh, to take up STEM, science, technology, engineering and mathematics educations, uh, networking opportunities in the industry, we can really help to bridge a gap. So an, another thing is uh, within Patio, our Women ERG Employee Resource Group, uh, for instance, we actively partner with uh, programs in, with school to really uh, encourage young women to pursue career in, in this industry. So we have done quite a lot in a consistent basis of uh, every month to, to, go, to watch out in this space. So finally, I think advocating for the equal opportunities uh, and inclusivity in the industry events, panel discussions can also help to further contribute to the visibility and recognition in, in, in this space. So uh, I think it's, in, it's, in, it's very important for all women to be to inspire another woman yeah. as well. That's a great note to finish on. So thank you so much for your time today, Stella. Thank you, Kimberly. I'm speaking now with Catalin Cowsley, Business Development Director and Co-Founder at Partner Hub. Thank you for joining me, Catalin. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity for this interview. So Partner Hub offers support for invoices and invoices for companies. How does the system make the process easier? We have a white-label digital invoicing management technology, which can be integrated into online and mobile banking channel, channels so that uh, banks and financial service providers could provide value-added services for their customers, be those customers SME customers, retail customers, or corporate customers. Uh, the use cases that we support is uh, value-added uh, SME banking for uh, obviously for SME customers where online invoicing and digital invoice management is packaged together with banking. Uh, for retail customers we support the next generation of uh, electronic bill uh, presentment and payment services and for corporates we promote the use case of integration of invoicing and request to pay. So the whole idea behind is to connect uh, structured invoice data with structured uh, financing data or payment data. And we're recording now, it's the very end of day four of Cyboss and you know there's been so many hours of discussions and meetings happening. What trends and themes have you had discussed this year at Cyboss that you think have been really interesting? Yeah, so I, ha I attended a few sessions on Gen AI, which was yeah. definitely <laughs> yeah. the topic this year. And uh, my colleague attended sessions on tokenization and also ISO 20 or 22 migration. So these are the topics that could be interesting for us too. Yeah. And what were you kind of discussing in meetings with the people you met with? Like, what are they interested in learning about the that you can offer them? Uh, what was interesting that uh, the interest is increasing towards our products as uh, invoicing regulations are coming worldwide. 
I think banks are also realizing that this is something that needs to be dealt with somehow. So yeah, so I was really happy to see the increased interest. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have any specific ambitions really for the company? What do you want to try and achieve maybe by next time next year at Cybos? Uh, yeah, I think we are at a stage where up until now we were like um, in the startup phase and waiting for the good time to come and the right timing for the company and yeah so the objective is to utilize the uh, the opportunities that arise now with the good uh, timing coming so yeah so okay. scaling up will be the next next yeah. big thing yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Well, hopefully I'll get to see you next year when we'll all be in Beijing for Cybus. So thank you again for your time. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this special episode of Disruptive Voices recorded at Cybus. You can find the rest of the series on the Banker website, Spotify, Acast, and wherever you get your podcasts.